You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. We are dead in the middle of pro day season. Uh, all the top quarterbacks throwing seems like this week and next. So a lot going on with uh, different contingencies or actually uh, traveling groups of the teams that have top picks to uh, Columbus, Tuscaloosa, Gainesville, all these different places, Lexington, you know, you name it, they're going to be there. Uh, we'll also take a trip down memory lane and talking a little bit about the pro day, the idea behind Behind it, and maybe you know Alex can give us kind of his perspective on some of the bigger ones he was at, some of the smaller ones he was at. I'll dip my toes in with the one and only uh, pro day that I attended, and just how silly that was. But the draft is coming up. We're about four weeks away, four or five weeks away. It's in Kansas City of all places, just the 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 heartbeat, the center of the NFL universe these days. And I'm all all about it. Uh, Alex wants me to go, but I don't think I'll be making it. But we'll be talking about the top of the draft and, and which quarterbacks are going to be there which teams are looking at quarterbacks can draft a quarterback might be looking at court you know whatever that happens to be but uh there's certainly a lot of interest at the top of this draft so with that i'll bring in alex uh top five teams you know carolina houston arizona indiana seattle all of them all of them are looking at quarterbacks except for the i guess arizona right you would think so right <clears throat> i mean yeah, all four of those teams need quarterbacks, and they're doing their homework. They they've done their homework at All Star games, uh, you know, during the scouting combine. Now they're sending these contingent contingencies everywhere around the country just to to see these guys. Sure, I mean, will we see four quarterbacks in the top five? Probably not. But will we see four quarterbacks in the top ten? Most likely, just because I mean we know that. This quarterback class is is a little bit more top heavy than it was last year, and teams are hungry. They need to win. They need to get younger, and you know a few of these teams need to you know find the the quarterback of the future. Because I mean, all four of these teams, well, I would say three of these teams have struggled to fill that role. They they've tried to do band aid type of quarterbacks. They tried to trade for. Former high first-round picks, it hasn't worked. And I'm talking about Carolina. I mean, Houston, obviously, you know, tried their experiment with Davis Mills. That didn't work out. The Colts, you know, they've been in the market for a quarterback ever since Andrew Luck retired. And they've tried to, you know, patch it up with veterans. But it hasn't worked because they're just over the hill. So it's going to be interesting to see. And I do expect three quarterbacks in the top five four quarterbacks in the top 10. I just don't think it's going to be, you know, four quarterbacks in the top five. I do think people will go, or teams will will draft a couple of defensive stars. Well, I think the, the key spot now, since the trade Chicago made, you know, with Carolina, Carolina being the top right now, is Arizona. Because more than likely, I mean, I would, there's a 99 point, 
99% chance that they're not going to take a quarterback. They just signed Kyler Murray to an extension. No, he's not going to be ready day one, but you know they'll figure that part of it out. So which one of these teams is going to have, uh, I guess, the stones, the conviction or whatever to trade up to number three? Are they really going to be sold? And I think it's going to be really the case for Anthony Richardson Jr. And I think that's going to be the most intriguing thing leading up to the draft is who is going to make that commitment, that investment, if you would. What is it going to take to get there? Does Indy feel comfortable staying at four that nobody jumps them? Right. Because, you know, you're young Stroud, Richardson, Levis, you might have them ranked different ways. Anybody probably has them ranked different ways. But I'm pretty it seems like the consensus is the top two is young and Stroud and they're going to be one and two. So now you're sitting there, Richardson or, or Levis. What flavor do you want? Who really wants to get up there? Does Las Vegas say, you know what? We're going to miss out on all four of them if we stay at seven. Are we going to go up to three and try to you know, secure either Richardson or, or Levis, if that's the way it goes? Or hell, huge. what if Houston just pulls a fast one and they move down you know, as some spots? I don't think that's going to happen. But Seattle, this is like a like a, I don't know, like a lottery ticket here. This is just like a bonus for trading away Russell Wilson. They don't. I don't think they expect to be drafting this high in the near term ever. So why not? You know, draft that young quarterback and play or sit behind Geno and, and learn. But are they going to? Are they going to sit at five to do that? Will they still? So again. Arizona kind of holds that ticket right now that if somebody gets nervous and says, we don't want to miss out, are either of these guys, Richardson or Levis, worth trading up for? That yeah. remains to be seen, but I think it's going to be awfully interesting, especially these with these pro days. C.J. Stroud knocks it out of the park. But again, it's nothing you didn't expect. And again, they're throwing in shorts. It's at home. It's scripted, the whole thing. And really, it's I think it's more so how the guy reacts with all these people watching him where it's like, you know, it's almost like a, like an Olympic skater. It's not so much what you do. It's like to minimize the mistakes or you're going to get dinged for it. You know, you can't really improve. I think your draft stock at this point, if you're this high, it's more like we're you know, another analogy, a tennis analogy is to hold serve, if you would. So and I think he did that. And I think Bryce Young is going to do that today as we record on Thursday, the 23rd, uh, Alabama's pro day. The interesting one is going to be, I think, next week. Anthony Richardson in Gainesville because he only, you know, you, well, the tape, the tape, the tape. Well, he only has, I think, 12 or 13 starts. He showed off his athleticism at, at the combine. He showed off his arm at the combine. All, all well and good. Wh what's going to happen at his pro day? Okay. Wh are any minds going to be changed? I don't know. But maybe once they get on the field with them, one of these front offices says, yeah, we want all of that. Or the owner or whoever happens to be there says, that's the guy I want. And in this case, that might be Carolina because Tepper is going on all these trips. So 
that's the one that I would want to see just to kind of see the body language around it, whatever. And uh, I'm, I'm here for it. I mean, it's again, there's not going to be huge decisions made, but that one in particular, I think, is going to be the most interesting to see. OK, where where is this going? Does this kid with only 12 starts really have a shot to be a top four pick? I just look at those decision makers in Carolina and I can't see them being that much they, they can't be infatuated with Anthony Richardson that much because I think they want to go with more of a sure thing they want to go with the quarterback that they can plug in from his rookie season from opening day from the first game that's what they're looking for and I think CJ Stroud and Bryce Young they fit the mold of guys who have played in big games they can handle the pressure of being the number one overall pick and I don't think Carolina can afford to draft a quarterback because they don't have Mayfield anymore. They don't have Darnold anymore. Okay, They have every intention to start that rookie quarterback because those Band-Aids, they haven't worked in the past. And, and Tepper is an impatient man, an impatient businessman. He has struck out, listened to a few people you know, in Carolina, it didn't work. I mean, Matt Rule will still would still have a job if he had a decent quarterback that would work out. And, and I think that's the thing. Frank Reich understands it. Fitterer understands it. Fitterer was with Seattle, all right? He doesn't have a problem picking a guy who is undersized, so-called, because they did it with Russell Wilson, and they hit a home run in the third round. And if they could do it over again, Seattle would pick Russell Wilson in the first round, okay? Same thing with Frank Reich. I just think Reich is more of a guy who wants, you know, pocket passer. He wants a guy that, that can extend plays, who has experience in the big games, who hasn't struggled that much with, with accuracy, guys that are efficient, that can hit the ball to all three areas of the field. I just look, again, I look at decision makers in Carolina, and to me, Anthony Richardson doesn't make sense for them. He makes sense for some other teams down there, but I just don't see them pulling the trigger on the Florida quarterback. I don't either. I, I guess just the wild card is the fact that, you know, Tepper, the owner, is, is taking it. Like you said, I mean, he like he was taking the word of others, and, and he is impatient, and not maybe not so much impatient, but more so, you know, looking for the upside, you know, and and if somehow he just gets it in his head that this guy, the athleticism, he has everything, they can do so many things with this kid. I don't know. That that's the really the only wild card because I don't see Houston taking him. I don't see. I mean, the Colts, I don't know. I, I don't think so. So now you've got Seattle. If Seattle is, just say everything stays put and you see, you know, Stroud and Young go in the top two, however you want to put them. Arizona takes Will Anderson or, you know, best defensive player in there, Jalen Carter. I don't know. Maybe Anderson's more their type. So they take him. So now you're sitting there at number four on the clock. You're the Colts. Is it Levis? Is it Richardson? I don't think there's really anybody else in this conversation at this juncture of the draft. Where do you go? 
I mean, if you're if you're the Colts, I mean, do they do they go again with the big swollen quarterback? You know, you know, Will Levis a little tighter, a little not so. Uh, I I don't know what it, I just have this bias against Will Levis. I don't know, maybe because he was originally a Penn State quarterback. It's just I can't get that out of my head. But you know, w- which way do you think they would go if things kind of stay in position here and they're sitting there at four and they're staring at Richardson or Levis? I look at their new head coach, who had Jalen Hurts there the last couple of years, and I think he could sway Ballard to go in that direction, knowing. That the league has changed. I understand that that Ballard is more committed to those pocket quarterbacks, efficient guys. But I do look at the coach that they hired, and I do think that C.J. Stroud and and Bryce Young are going to be off the board. That's one and two. And, you know, Colts are there at number four. I think they're going to pull the trigger on Anthony Richardson. I think it's just going to be too much to pass up here, Lou. To be honest with you, he's not ready to start from day one. But I think just the fact that the Colts are rebuilding, and they are rebuilding, okay? When I look at their defense, should have been better, but they're not. They still have Jonathan Taylor, and I think they could go in that direction in that regard because their whole offense is going to be built around the running game. Again, I look at their head coach and where he comes from. The Eagles are all about running the football. You have Jonathan Taylor. He's going to come back healthy. I think you can still give him a couple of good years. I think they're going to go with the running quarterback just in general, that extra dimension that he gives them because of the way the Eagles coaches were able to develop Jalen Hurts. So I think they're going to push for it. They're going to say, we can do the same thing with this kid. We can push him in, you know, into the fire. He can start from day one. We're going to go through some growing pains. But his upside is too intriguing. And you know what? If the Colts don't do it, then the Seahawks would. I mean, I'm almost certain. Because they've got Geno Smith locked up. And they know that they need to get the future. And they need to get that future quarterback. Beat isn't going anywhere. Seahawks always do wild things on draft day. And it might be a wild card. They might go with somebody off the board. But if Richardson falls to them, for some reason the Colts go with Will Levis... I don't think it's going to happen. Anthony Richardson is going to be that fifth overall pick because I don't think Pete Carroll will be able to pass up on on that athleticism. He loves those guys. I mean, look at DK Metcalf, right? He's a freak. And he looks at Anthony Richardson and he's like, this guy is more of a freak. And he plays, plays the quarterback position. He can be there. He can be my starting quarterback for that franchise for the next decade if we work on his accuracy and his decision making. So... I think Richardson is going to be a top five pick, whether it's the Colts or the Seahawks. I think Will Levis is going to fall a bit. I, I'm looking at the Raiders at seven, but you know we are focusing on the top five. So I think one of those teams is going to pull the trigger on Richardson. And I just think it's going to be the Colts based on the coaching staff that they hired. And I think they're going to be able to sway you know, the, the Colts owner and, you know, the Colts GM, who are a little bit more conservative. But the fact that it hasn't worked, you know, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, it just hasn't worked with those traditional pocket passers. So they're going to say, hey, we got to do a do-over. Look at what the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts. We're going to go with Anthony Richardson. So I'm like talking myself into the fact that the Colts would pull the trigger 
on the Florida quarterback. Now, does do they start him right away? Do they just throw kind of throw him to the wolves type thing? Uh, you know, your fourteenth start. You know, in the last two years, comes in an NFL game, right? I mean, is that? I don't know that they have other options. The other option, I guess, the the elephant in the room, and we've been talking about it ad nauseum. It seems like for two years is okay. One of these teams or that doesn't get one of the top four, or do they say, you know what, screw it. We know what Lamar Jackson is. Let's go that direction. That's the interesting thing as well. But again, that third pick, who come, who can come up? And, and again, you see Seattle with that kind of, if you say free ticket at number five, how about the, the Lions at number six? Okay, now bear with me for a second. I realize Jared Goff has played great and probably even better than they expected. He, you know, they haven't extended him yet. Could this be a play saying, hey, you know, we're getting pretty good. We've we've made some additions free agency wise. We have another first round pick coming up later, later this draft. And we have the rest of the draft. Could they possibly draft a young quarterback to go along with the young core for their team moving forward? I mean, there, there could be a case for them maybe jumping up to that third spot and taking one of these quarterbacks. I don't think so. I'm, again, I, I think Campbell, again, I, here's my thinking on this. I don't think any, Anthony Richardson is going to get out, out of the top five. I don't think the Lions are in a position where they say, okay, we want this guy and they're going to trade up. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they realize that the Lions front office and Dan Campbell, they realize that they need to stockpile picks. If anything else, they need to trade down and get more picks to kind of get more players on the defensive side of the ball. Okay? I think that's going to be the case. I don't think they will draft Will Levis. I don't think they would like him enough. And again, Richardson is not going to slip out of the top five. I'm I'm convinced of that. Well, Based not, on what he yeah, did at the scouting saying, combine. So they might they might be the team that comes up to go up three spots to trade with Arizona. If Arizona says, you know what, you know, we can, we've got a couple of defensive players in mind. Let us go ahead and, and get some extra picks. Now, again, the, the, the three spot move, I don't know that's going to cost them as much might be a premium this year, because again, Arizona holds the cards here. They don't have to, uh, oh, wow. I made a pun there. Sorry about that. No pun intended, <laughs> but Arizona does hold the card here. Uh, that Detroit comes up and to take that quarterback or how about the Raiders? If they're thinking, Hey, we're going to miss out on all four of these guys. If we don't, if we don't move up Uh, Atlanta at eight. Now they've kind of shown their hand a little bit as far as quarterback goes with some of the moves or, or, or moves that they made and the moves that they haven't made in free agency. Let's see what happens. You know, hey, maybe, maybe they come up with a big offer sheet for, for Lamar. But if they don't, they might be a team that wants to come up make that deal with Arizona. See, based on what the Raiders did in free agency by bringing with Jimmy in G, Jimmy yeah. G, I just I don't think but they're going to pull it's the only a three, It's only a three-year deal, and I think they could probably get out of it after the, after the second year. I think the Raiders are going to sit put 
and yeah. see who falls to them at seven. Just because I think they need to rebuild that team. And if one of the quarterbacks falls that they like, and I think it's the Kentucky quarterback, I think they're going to pull the trigger at seven. I don't think the Lions are going to trade up just because, again, they need to bolster that defense. They're, they have to be more effective in the back seven. And same thing with Atlanta. They're not just a quarterback away, okay? They can make a trade for Lamar, but I don't think any other quarterback in this draft is going to save them besides those top two guys. I think it's too much of a risk. And in the first round, Lou, God, I want I want the sure thing. I really do. Like, if I'm in the GM, I'm holding that position for any franchise, especially if you're you have a top five or a top ten pick, you might not get that chance next year. You might be like middle of the pack. You want to hit on that guy. And I just it's too much of a risk if you're taking a quarterback that you believe should be, you know, starting as a rookie. Like, you think he's going to be a superstar or a franchise type. Again, I want a sure thing in the first round. And I know some GMs don't think this way. Some GMs are willing to take a risk and willing to pull the trigger on a guy that they believe has immense potential. Sometimes they hit, sometimes they miss. I wouldn't go that route. I would I would be willing to take uh, a chance on a guy on day two, day three, I'm willing to take some, you know, chances on character risks on day three. But in the first round, I want a clean-cut guy who's going to start for me for the next 10 or 12 years. If he has a really high bust factor, like a boomer bust type of guy, I wouldn't draft him, especially in the top five or top 10. That's my philosophy. But I know some of these GMs, younger GMs, are willing to do that. They're willing to risk it, especially guys that are like in their first or second year Guys that don't have like job security, you know, riding on it. So I could see that, but I don't believe it, it would be the right thing to do for the Lions or the Raiders or the Falcons to move up because I don't think they're like a quarterback away. And not even this year, even for the future. I think the Lions should roll with Jared Goff. I think the Raiders should wait whoever falls to them at seven and the Falcons. I mean, they might roll with Desmond Ritter, but if they don't, I think they should trade for Lamar Jackson because, you know, him moving from the AFC to the NFC, that could be a, a good spot, especially in that offense, knowing that, you know, the Falcons want to run the football. I mean, that's who Arthur Smith is all about. You would be willing to take somebody like Lamar Jackson over the other quarterbacks in this draft. Yeah, I just and again, I mean, the more that I think of it, I mean, yeah, Lamar would be just perfect, you know, just Atlanta, that market, just how electric that's well, it was a different stadium, I think at the time, but like Michael Vick, it was just a whole different level, you know, in terms of just the fervor of that fan base around, you know, a particular quarterback with those type with that those types of skills. But, I mean, that's a whole other bowl of wax here and why, you know, there doesn't seem to be any market right now for uh, for Lamar Jackson. But you really have to be, you know, if you're willing to move up, you have to be convinced about the guy. And in this draft, even coming into it, people weren't as high on this class. And when I say people, I guess I mean, you know, some of the pundits and guys that have been, in, you know, 
in this business in terms of, you know, doing scouting, uh, putting out newsletters, you know, everybody, they're draft nicks, if you will. But, but even the former front office people looking at this at this class, they've kind of come around, I think, on Young and Stroud. But again, there's a lot of, you know, trepidation when it comes to like you said anthony richardson and, and will levis for that for that matter as well so you know for a team to come up like in atlanta like in las vegas they would have to be sure and i don't know that they'd want to come up or spend a lot of extra draft capital for richardson or levis uh and again if, for some people just the fact that bryce young is more of a slight guy and a little shorter you may not want to spend a lot of extra draft capital to kind of, again, if you see that as a roll of the dice. And history tells us that at least one, if not two, maybe even three of these guys don't really work out, right? I mean, it just seems like every year, I mean, you know, just a few years ago, you're looking at that draft class and you said, okay, well, Trevor Lawrence, you know, can't miss. And he's kind of getting into that, I guess, echelon of quarterback. And again, it's only been one year. He's got Doug Peterson, you know, he'll continue to ascend. But then Zach Wilson's situation, Trey Lance with the injuries, you know, there's Mac Jones. It remains to be seen maybe with a better coach. He'll he'll be better, but the jury's still out there. Uh, Justin Fields, is he ever going to become a good passer? So even though we looked at that client, oh my God, these great quarterbacks, you know, two years in, we're still kind of like, I don't know. I mean, Lawrence may be on his way. So you got to be damn sure. Uh, some other teams that might be looking at quarterback, would they take a chance on some of these other guys later on, like a Tennessee at 11? Um, Minnesota, you know, they did not extend Kirk Cousins. You know, maybe they're looking for a quarterback. I mean, do you see any of these guys like a Hendon Hooker? I'm a big fan of DTR. His name doesn't come up much. It may be like a day two or even a day three pick, but maybe it's my bias of just watching a lot of Pac-12, that last game of the night, you know, Saturday night, kickoff 1030 Eastern and just watching him a lot. But I, I, I like this kid, you know, for, so for like a, like a Tampa Bay, if they're not completely sold on Kyle Trask, uh, Baker only signed a one-year deal. Washington, uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, is it Sam Howell? Uh, Baltimore, hey, maybe Lamar's on his on his way out. They don't want to match the offer. They're sitting at twenty-two. Can they take a quarterback? Uh, New Orleans at twenty-nine. Yeah, they brought in Carr, but are they you know they want to have somebody waiting in the wings. So we can, I guess, kind of predict or uh, I don't know surmise which team might might take to speculate which team might take a quarterback but who are those next guys I mean who would might be somebody that trades up into the bottom of the first round to grab one of these guys is it worth it I don't think so Lou I think you the guys that you mentioned uh, the hooker and and DTR, I think those guys are going to be available on day two. I wouldn't pull the trigger to move up into the late first round. Unless one of these quarterbacks drops, it's a possibility. We've seen that a lot. 
Um, you know, I, I believe that all four of these guys would be top 10 picks. But say Will Levis, like, he drops a bit. Like, you know, the Raiders pass on him. Sure, those teams that you mentioned, you know, especially like Tennessee, Minnesota, Washington, they might be willing to move up, you know, into the top 10 and make that big move. But I don't think, like, Hendon Hooker is worth it by trading up into the late first round, especially because he's coming off a serious injury. And maybe if he wasn't, it would be, you know, more teams would be more comfortable with that. But a, a first round pick on a guy like that, I, I don't know. It's it's tough to swallow, especially since he hasn't impressed anybody in the offseason. He hasn't been able to showcase anything. That's, that, that's tough for me. That really is. I would much rather wait for day two to pull the trigger on a guy like that. Same thing with DTR. I'm not in love with any of these guys that are quarterbacks in the later rounds or like even day three guys. I don't have a sleeper. Like last year, I was a big fan of Brock Purdy as a backup quarterback as, you know, spending like a fourth or a fifth round pick on him. I was surprised that he was the last pick in the seventh round. I don't have that. I don't have this guy this year. So unless... You're in the top 10, you know, and you need a quarterback, go spend it on that guy that you believe in. Because I don't believe in any of these guys that are going to be available on day two or day three this year. I, I, I really, like I said, I mean, I really like DTR. I think Hooker's got some game too. Uh, he's a little mature guy. I think he's 24, 25 years old. He started out of Virginia Tech, played in that uh, kind of wild offense at, at Tennessee, but uh, looks like he can make all the throws. And yeah, but for that injury, he was he was ascending towards uh, you know maybe maybe a Heisman Trophy. But, you know, the, the loss, at, at bad loss at Georgia kind of knocked him out of that. But, uh, you know, these other names, again, this might be the, this year's Brock Purdy. You know, Tanner McKee from Stanford or Clayton Toon from Houston. Jake Hayner from Fresno. Uh, two-time national champion Stetson Bennett. You know, where where does he go, if, if anywhere? And then Max Duggan, too, where it, you just don't see him in a certain light. But again, you know, everybody, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder and what they can do with the guy or just thinking, hey, we'll bring him in as maybe a potential backup or you know, practice squad guy, but eventually gets elevated because of injury, a la Brock Purdy, and they kind of come out. I don't know if anybody, like you said, has that promise, but, you know, if there's somebody, you know, like day two or day three that has that I guess size, arm strength, running ability, the whole thing. I, DTR, I think somebody's going to get a steal. So I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about pro days, not none specific from this year, but just uh, you can lean any way. You know, does it really matter? Do these things for you know some guys that aren't that heralded? Yeah, it does. For those guys that don't get invited to the combine, well, sure, this is their opportunity. But I just I know, Alex, you've been to a ton of pro days over the over the years. And I don't know, maybe just if there was any that were more memorable than others or a story that you can think of that, you know, is just an interesting tidbit from a pro day. Well, I, I think from a workout standpoint, I always hear these bigger analysts on ESPN go, this is the best workout that I've ever seen. And I hear this every year. This is the best quarterback workout Zach that Wilson, I have ever right? seen. 
they, they always cool. yeah they always they always try to like out jump themselves this either the nfl network or espn different analysts there's always like one guy that says that this is the best workout that i've ever seen uh, it's amazing what this guy can do hitting these wide open wide receivers out there what an arm what a release damn he's throwing you know 70 yards from his knees doesn't matter to me. I think the reason, um, you know, these coaches and GMs flock there is they want to meet this guy in his atmosphere. They want to talk to his coaches. They want to talk to, you know, training staff. They want to talk to his coordinators, you know, because they're going to be there. I remember um, going to Fresno State Pro Day uh, when Derek Carr was there and Devontae Adams was there. And I remember Derek Carr put on a good show. But afterwards, when a reporters and myself tried to get Derek, he was nowhere to be seen after the workout. And uh, the guy who was who was running the show, the, the PR guy, he's like, sorry, guys, Derek is not going to be available for an interview because he went with the Raiders. That's, that's what was said at that time. The Raiders occupied him. They took him out. I don't know where they took him for lunch, for dinner. And they just, they, they, they took a stronghold of, you know, they, they took Derek Carr and just whisked him away from other teams, stuff like that, and spent a lot of time with him. We all know how that story ended. Obviously, you know, Jack Del Rio and uh, McKenzie, they, they spent, you know, a second round pick on Derek Carr when he fell. There was a rumor that the Raiders were going to spend a first round pick on him, and they had a high one that year, but they decided to pass on that. And they got him in the second round. So it just tells you that when big shots come, GMs, coaches, coordinators, when it's a big contingency, um, when, you know, it's a, it's a huge group of people, and they just, they flock to these guys. They try to, you know, get them as much as possible and just see them, you know, take them out, interact with them a little bit more. Because at the scouting combine, you have a formal 15-minute interview. And the only... I guess interaction where coaches are able to do this is like at the senior bowl or at the shrine game where they're able to spend a little more time with these guys. But during the season, it's only scouts who do this. So this is your chance to kind of get the big wigs, the big shots and, and talk to these quarterbacks as much as possible, ask them the tough questions. So I remember that. And another story, and we've talked about this many times before, Teddy Bridgewater, when People said that he didn't have a, a so-called good pro day. You know, people went on there and just bashed him. I didn't think he had a bad day. I think he had a he pretty good the, day. And I keep standing he took, by he this. Took the, he took the gloves off for that, right? He took the gloves off. It was inside. And he missed a lot of deep shots. Okay, but, you know, if you watch the games at Louisville, Teddy Bridgewater was never known for the deep ball. That was always his weakness. In, in the NFL, it proved to be right. He was more of an efficient passer, short, intermediate passes. That was his game. So, yeah, he took the glove off. He struggled indoors. This wasn't outside at all. And, you know, he wasn't hitting those deep shots. I think, you know, uh, Todd McShay just ripped him completely. I, I will, again, I will stand by it and say, Teddy had a pretty good day. I didn't think it was horrible. But a lot of people went on and just and bashed him. So I remember that. And judging from that, I'm not saying he would have been a first overall pick, and this is the draft that Jadavian Clowney went first overall, but I think a lot of teams were wary of that. You know, they, they saw him struggle, they went back, 
And Teddy, like, fell out. I mean, he was, what, the 32nd overall pick by the Minnesota Vikings. He looked like he was going to be a franchise type of quarterback before the injury, but certainly didn't work out that way. But, um, you know, you can make a case. You got to put in a disclaimer at this point, Alex, is that you had a pretty significant man crush on Teddy B at the time. I do. I do. He was he was a big a big time. But he was a you know, I loved him as a prospect. And, you know, I loved what he did at Louisville. And, you know, I think that coming into the pro day, he was a top 10 pick. But after the pro day, you know, people started questioning his arm, his small hands, his inability to to hit the ball, you know, the deep ball. And I think that's the reason why he fell. I mean, I think people went back, started to see some flaws in his game. And I'm, I'm almost convinced that the pro day had a lasting effect on Teddy Bridgewater and why he and, fell. And there's your Olymp- Olympic skater parallel where you have, you really, you can't move your, it seems almost like you can't improve your score, but you can certainly, you know, make some mistakes, crash and lose some points. And it doesn't happen to everybody, but that was one of the more famous ones. Do you recall when you go into some of these pro days, was there something in particular you were looking for? I think you just want to see, like, uh, from a top prospect, you want to see him being upbeat, especially if he's testing, right? If he's throwing, if he's a quarterback. You want to see him, like, interact with his teammates. You want to see a leader. You want to see a guy that, that's upbeat, that's cheering on his other teammates when they're doing the agility tests or a 40-yard dash. I want him, that prospect, to be front and center. I want him to be glowing. I want him having a smile on his face. I don't want it to be fake, but I want it to see that, you know, he's pumping those guys up. If somebody made, you know, a a bad drop or something like that or didn't run a fast time, you want to see him, like, take charge, you know, hug the guy, you know, give him a pat on the back. I mean, that's what I was looking at. Like, a a guy that has a, a personality. Not every guy has it, and not every great player has it. But that's what I want to see out of a high-profile guy, a first-round pick, a quarterback that's going to go high. I want to see him gravitate towards his teammate, and I want to see them interacting with him as well. Like You don't want him to be standing on the sideline out there. Nobody's talking to him before his workout. Again, I'm probably focusing on a quarterback. I want him you know, warming up with his teammates that he's going to be throwing to. That's what I was looking at, just to see his personality, who he is, you know, because as a quarterback, you are a leader in a way. I mean, some guys are more quieter than others, but you feel that, you know, you feel um, towards like great players, you feel the other guys gravitate towards them. And that's what I wanted to see because, you know, I didn't go to games during the season. So during the pro day, you wanted to just see who these guys are and how they would... um, based on, you know, their interviews, like at the end of the session, at the end of the pro day, if they were, were if they were willing to talk to you, you know, even the smaller reporters and stuff like that, were they only willing to talk to teams? And, and that's what I wanted to see. Like, I wanted to just kind of get to know them a little bit off the field and who they are. And uh, that was really important to me. And I think that's really important to, to these teams, these scouts, these GMs, these coaches, they want to see who these guys are, what these guys are all about. I mean, if they're pumped up about the workout, I mean, they're getting into it. 
whether they're willing to throw a few extra passes, you know, out of that 60, 70 yard session that they have. Are they tired? You know, did they spend the time, you know, going through uh, this rehearsal, as they say? Because it is the biggest interview of their life. I mean, you get to meet these teams, you get to talk to them, you get to have lunch with them or have dinner with them. You know, you better be ready because you certainly can't be tired. I mean, teams are going to put you through the uh, through this, uh, you know, long process. They they want to see this, whether you're you're going to be their franchise type of quarterback for the next 10 to 12 years. So that's what I looked for. I wasn't looking for the greatest workout of his life or, you know, a 4-2 or a 4-3. Sure, that's exciting. Scouts get excited about some fast times on the three cone of the agility drills. But still, I I wanted to see that. I wanted to see, like, who these guys are a little bit. And I think you, you kind of get a glimpse of that during the pro day. Well, now that these are, you know, over the last – I don't know, maybe 10 years or so, many of them are televised. Uh, so you've got ESPN, you've got NFL Network with you know, boots on the ground at the, you know, so it becomes an event, uh, you know, famously with Johnny Manziel comes out in his helmet, shoulder pads, uh, you know, full, almost full gear. You got uh, George, I think it was George W. Bush there on a golf cart because, of course, he's from Texas and so forth. And Drake is playing in the background. I mean, it's just it was a show, but it was Johnny football. So, uh, again, I don't know if people get wild by that. But again, it's a TV. It's more of a TV presentation. So when you go to the smaller schools, obviously, you're not going to have all that. And I'm a Pennsylvania guy, you know, and this is, you know, back in the day, I uh, figured, well, you know, maybe I'll go to a Penn State one. I've only been to one. OK. Uh, and I'm no scout. But, I, you know, I, we, Alex and I talked it over. Hey, you know, we'll get you into a pro day. So is it going to be Penn State? No. Pitt? No. I was dispatched to Kent, Ohio, which... Eh, it was probably, I don't know, about 100 miles from here, maybe not even that far, a little off the beaten path, but it's still Jack Lambert, Julian Edelman, Joshua Cribs, James Harrison. They do have a football tradition there. And so you figure, well, who, who are we going to see? And I'm going to see like this all around dude, about like 5'6", five, 5'7", five, Dree Archer, uh, kind of a jack of all trades and was more than likely going to be a special teams guy, a punt returner, maybe occasionally, you know, in on some packages in a three receiver set or, or maybe comes in at running back. And so there's not a lot of fanfare. You kind of walk in. There was just, just kind of quiet. Uh, I pick up, I actually did get a credential at the, you know, at the gate and put that on proudly. And then we started watching uh, Dree Archer. And I did notice and I recognized special teams coach Danny Smith from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And there was a, another coach I recognize. I can't remember his name now, but there was a, the special teams coach at the time for the Raiders was there too. And I recognized him kind of walked up, introduced myself. It was kind of my 15 minutes of fame, I guess. But uh, yeah, it was just a little bit different. There were no TV cameras, uh, a bunch of guys, you know, they, they ran, they jumped, they did all the, the normal stuff. There wasn't, you know, a big quarterback there. But I guess the highlight of the day, this was all the indoor facility. OK, this is in March. Uh, you know, we're in the, I guess, near Midwest 
if you would, Eastern Corridor here, Rust Belt. It was a day much like it is today, very gray, kind of raining, windy. So Danny Smith's like, yeah, I want to watch this kid uh, field some punts. So we go out to the field at Jack Lambert Stadium, and uh, they had a punter there and no jugs machine, and they were just, Dree, go back there. And he's, you know, it was like a center fielder, you know, in, in, in Chicago <laughs> on a windy day trying to field these balls. And so it was pretty interesting. But uh, anyway, that was – and the Steelers ended up drafting the kid, which was kind of ironic. But uh, he never really made the splash they expected him to. But, uh, yeah, that was one, my one and only pro day, Alex. I'm glad you had a great time. I mean, even though the weather didn't, <laughs> you know, wasn't it wasn't shining. You know, the sun wasn't shining. It wasn't smiling at you. But see how it is. I mean, I mentioned the Raiders like courting Derek Carr. It was obvious that they were interested in him, and they selected him. And see the Steelers. They they wanted to see a guy right. you know yep. field some punts and and kicks during you know rainy weather. You know, obviously the Steelers were satisfied with him. And they chose him in the third round, hoping that he can be that Darren Sproles, you know, type of player. You know, that slot receiver, slot, you know, that back that can catch the ball out of the backfield and help him on special teams. So in the pro day, you kind of, you're drawn to some of these guys. If you like something you saw, you certainly put some checks around it. And you send your defensive, offensive, or special teams coaches. And they, they certainly, you know, they certainly bump their grade up on some of these guys. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, he was checking off some of these things. The fact that he was, you know, catching some of these, uh, some of these balls in rainy weather and he did well. So, and, and they chose him. They felt comfortable with him. So I'm glad you had a good time, Lou. Oh, yeah. If by good meaning I was freezing and wet by the end of no, it. No, it was good. It was a great experience to have. I mean, I wish I could have gone to some, you know, some other places as well. But uh, no, it was a nice, nice day for for a drive to Kent, Ohio, and then kind of experience the madness of a, of a pro day. But at a small school, like I said, there was no no fanfare. It was just kind of nuts and bolts. And uh, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And he did speak afterwards. I think I was able to I don't know if I got a recording or not, but anyway. Uh, okay, so we're, I don't know, 45 minutes into this this episode, and I don't think I've mentioned the Chiefs yet, so the obligatory Chiefs mention today, the 23rd of March, marks one year that Brett Veach pulled off a huge trade involving Tyree Kill and five draft picks, and the sky was falling. Oh my God! How are the Chiefs going to play? Well, somehow they won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but this revolving door wide receiver—I don't know how sustainable it is—but they kind of let Juju walk. Was a guy that they that they signed last year. McCole Hardman was a second round pick four years ago. Did his four years. He's on his way to the Jets now, and. I don't know. Again, the sky is falling. If you read any mentions on Twitter, Chiefs fans are losing their minds. What, what What's happening here? So I guess, Alex, is because of the money that is being allocated to top-end wide receivers, are we going to start to see kind of what's happening with running backs – Hey, I don't have to pay a running back a big a big salary. I can get one in the draft. Are we going to start to see that 
in in the in the draft at the wide receiver position because right now the Super Bowl rainy Super Bowl champs have under contract MVS, Kadarius Tony, and Sky Moore. Sky Moore is a second round pick, so they only have him for, for four years unless they extend him. Kadarius Tony was a first round pick, so he, they've got a little bit more time with him, maybe a fifth year extension if he you know if he performs and is able to stay healthy. MVS, you know, he signed a three-year deal. I think they can get out of it after this year, but he's going to be there. They 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 uh, paid his bonus, so he's he's still on the squad. Um, they've got Justin Ross sitting. He was on IR all last year. He was a high, uh, highly graded, highly regarded receiver from Clemson, but had injury problems, so he went undrafted. But that's basically it. So is Veach going to pull another one out of his, out of the hat here? Uh, are they going to trade for DeAndre Hopkins? Are they going to get Odell Beckham Jr.? Or again, does he just kind of piece it together and, hey, Mahomes will take care of this. Travis Kelsey is still Travis Kelsey, and and we roll on. But, uh, yeah, I, I, do you have any thoughts on the revolving door at wide receiver? I just think the Chiefs have, have done well, you know, drafting some of these guys on, on day two. They, they've hit on some guys. Um, some more than others, but I think that's the route that they're going to go in. What are they? They have a the last pick in the first round, right? The 31st yes. pick. I think Veach is going to trade down. If he doesn't have a guy that he has rated really high, if those guys are gone, I think he's going to trade down, pick up like an extra day two pick, and then get another wide receiver, whether it's in Imagine. the second round or the third round. Imagine the public relations nightmare that would be if the, the draft is in Kansas City and it comes up to the Chiefs pick. Everybody's waiting with bated breath. And like, this pick has been traded to, you know, whomever or whatever. It just, I could just see like whatever, half a million people, however many people are there, just gasp. And what, booing, what booing like. him. <laughs> booing him but i do think that i think it's very likely to happen i, I just think they're gonna draft a wide receiver in, on day two they always do this you know, almost every year you know they've pulled the trigger on some of these guys i think they're gonna get another guy there are plenty of guys like on day two day two wide receivers that are gonna be very explosive that can make plays downfield they have very good speed you know like hyatt from tennessee downs from unc you know then you've got flowers zay flowers is going to be from boston college you know those guys are prime receivers that can outperform you know those guys that are going to go a little bit higher in this draft i love the kid the jsn kid from uh from ohio state i just i, I love that kid I swear by him. I, he's I think he's got to be a t he's got to be a top twenty pick though, right? I mean, he, I don't I don't think he's quite because of the injury. He's not going to be quite at the level of drafted as Olave or Wilson. But I mean, I don't know. I thought he was every bit as good as, as those two guys when they were at Ohio State together. Yeah, I just hope the the injury concerns like check out. You know, he took a medical test at the combine. I think I he hope ran, those he ran happen. yes he ran yesterday at the pro day like four five four four eight was you know they have different hand times but he did run so he I mean, I'm, he ran routes so he should be ready to go. 
No, no, he's fine. Like his speed yeah. is good and he's elite when it comes to those agility drills, when it comes to the 20-yard shuttle, the three cone. I love to see those numbers, you know, how fast a guy is coming out of his breaks. And he doesn't have a problem with that. And any guy that puts up over 300 yards on the biggest stage at the Rose Bowl, I mean, gets a check mark in my book against, you know, a high-quality opponent. So, you know, Ohio State wide receivers have been, you know, fantastic the the last three or four years and they have a kid coming up marvin harrison jr who i believe could be a number one overall pick next year but we'll talk about that later so yeah, Ohio and i guess the the overarching question here i guess would be because of the changes in nfl offenses to kind of not so much mirror, but be a little bit closer to the college offenses. And you're seeing wide receivers kind of be able to come in and contribute almost immediately. Do you see this maybe almost as a theory going forward that if you do have a high-priced quarterback, that the wide receiver position, you might be able to pay one a lot of money, but you're not going to have you know a, a wide receiver room full of you know multimillionaires, right? You, on a per annum basis, can you, do you get that sense where some teams say, Hey, we'll pay the quarterback. We've got a couple of like really good receivers, but every three or four years, we're just going to cycle through the guys from the draft. Well, some teams are just really good at drafting wide receivers and they can recycle them. Like the, the Steelers, the Steelers. Well, I mean, I know one team that doesn't draft receivers well. It's the Patriots. They can give me a call. <laughs> I'll, uh, you know, I'll I'll consult them for free, you know. Wow. But that's yeah, something that's, that just uh, hasn't worked out. You that's know? a blind spot for sure. All these stories coming out that DeAndre Hopkins is going to go to the Patriots. Are you serious? I mean, Bill O'Brien hated the guy when he was with the Houston Texans. <laughs> Bill O'Brien is now the offensive coordinator with the Patriots. Did something well, change? Well, I think that's the other the other way around. I don't think D-Hop would ever come. <laughs> yeah, that's just... No, I mean, the Arizona Cardinals would trade yeah. him if they would get, like, a good package for him, but I just can't understand that, to be honest with you. How are they going to work together? Certainly, he, was, nah, he shipped that, the guy for a bag of peanuts, that, you know, that, to the Arizona Cardinals. You know, somebody might, you know, blow them away here because, you know, the the free agent market for any top wide receivers is kind of dried up. You see these guys taking one year prove with deals. OBJ still out there. You know, he might have to, he's definitely going to have to come off of his number. And as some of these guys, these wide receiver needy teams, like it looks like the chiefs are in that mold right now. They keep staying patient. The closer they get to the draft, you know, some of those salary demands might start to come down. Hey, you might lose out on the guy, but you definitely don't want to overpay, you know, at this point. But uh, I was going to say, you know, March Madness, you know, we're, we're down to the Sweet 16 here. It was a great weekend. Uh, just a couple of things you know, to me that really stood out was watching San Diego State and watching Tennessee separately put on defensive clinics. Now, maybe this is start. I'm starting to show my age here, but watching these teams play, every possession is fully contested. Uh, you're going to have to really work to beat these teams. And I'm looking at San Diego State getting seven and a half from Alabama. I know Alabama's got the most talent. They've got the best player. I don't really do a lot in college basketball, but I really like San Diego State. And then also Princeton. 
I mean, they're so connected. Team basketball, again, showing my age here. No superstars. Do they have a closer? Who knows? They haven't gotten to that point yet. Creighton might run them out of the building, but plus 10, I think I like them there. I don't think the talent gap is is that wide and getting 10 points. But as far as winning the game, I would give the not. I think San Diego State probably has a better chance of beating Alabama than Princeton has of beating Creighton. But I look for both of them to cover. Well, stay tuned, folks, because by the end of this weekend, we'll find out who the the final four teams are going to be. That's right. There's games tonight. So for Alex, I'm Lou on the way out. As always, peace.